TIM Podcasts. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 25. 25, can you believe, of the CIM podcast series. And today we're going to be talking about social media and the history of social media and how it's impacted our sector. It's everywhere. It's in our social lives. It's in our business lives. It's the interface between which we interact with the organizations we buy from and work with. And it even now has its own TV show, a Netflix hit, Emily in Paris. And Emily in that show is a social media marketer. We're not with Emily in Paris today, but we are with Molly MacArthur, Molly in Berkshire, who is CIM's social media executive. And she's been working in social media for many years. Molly, how have you found the path and the progress of social media in the time you've been working in the sector? It's been really interesting to watch the progress, actually. I started out just as an apprentice when I was 18. um, And so I've seen a lot of how how things have developed, how the platforms have developed, how the types of content and the formats of the content um, and their advertising options have changed over that time. So it's been really interesting to watch. Although we're talking about the history of social media, perhaps the extraordinary thing about it is not how old it is, but how young it is. Um, You're going to about to tell me that Instagram has just celebrated a milestone birthday, but it's not very old, is it? How old is it? It's 10 years old. It's only 10 years old. It seems to have been with us forever. Um, I mean, since it's been around, since since Instagram was formed those 10 years ago, what do you think have been the major shifts in the way it's behaved and, and, and its impacts on the sector? I think it shifted entirely. To begin with, it was very much focused on photographers and artists sharing their work. And then it's really developed and it's it's a platform for everybody now. And that's what makes it so great for marketers is that everybody is on there and you can reach any audience through it. And so particularly for marketers, I think the major changes have been the opportunity to advertise to your audiences on that platform and the amount of targeting opportunities that marketers can be very specific in who they're trying to target on the platform and also the ad variants so right in the beginning we weren't able to upload videos it was very much just the static images on the on the feed but now we have things like stories we have reels we have IGTV um, we have the direct messaging there are so many options for advertising um, so it's, it's really progressed very well for marketers. Do you think it's lost a little bit of its innocence, though? I remember when it first came to fruition, it had that sort of old school icon. Um, You know, it was all about people uh, posting up heavily filtered images to look like something that had been done in the 1970s. It's now a bit whiz-bang, and, of course, it is plastered with advertising. I mean, hand on heart, do you think it's got better or worse in its decade of life? I think it depends who you ask. For marketers, it's absolutely brilliant and we love it. But for users, I think maybe sometimes they could get a bit annoyed with the advertising. But because the targeting options are so great and a lot of marketers are really good at knowing their audience and targeting the right sort of ads at the right time and retargeting, that often doesn't become a problem. I feel like that's less and less of a problem as time goes on, is that we're 
we're really learning more about each other. People are learning more about the brands that they like and the, who they're following and brands are learning more about their audience and really what they want to see on these platforms as, as the platforms grow. Oh, that's a very positive outlook. I, 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 in my journalistic style, I always try to find a negative somewhere, or that's what they say. And in the hope of doing that, I'm going to introduce today Ali Lee Boone, who appears on this show regularly. She is uh, in the marketing department of CIM itself. Ali, how are you today? Very well, thank you. Excited to be here. Are you as positive as Molly is about the progress of Instagram and other social media over the last decade or so? Unfortunately, I think I might be. I think that Instagram is a fantastic platform that has just really lowered the barrier to entry for social media. Like Molly said, everyone and anyone is on this platform. I remember I um, abstained from joining for the first probably three years of Instagram's life because I thought that I didn't want to give up my rights to photography. Clearly, I thought I was some sort of budding artist who would uh, maybe be discovered through Instagram. But ultimately, it has been a it's become a real melting pot of innovation and talent and creativity, which I think is one of the reasons, like Molly said, as well as the data and the insight that we as marketers love it so much. It's really become a place for businesses, products and people to launch their career. Um, we love it. We do love it. Are we that good at it? You know, if you go back to the golden age of advertising, uh, the post-war era, Mad Men and so on and so forth, big display advertising in big cities, uh, lots of glamour, massive exposure. Um, we've had lots and lots of practice at that. We've been going really at that since the 1950s. Um, this is a very new thing. It's, it's a baby. It's young. We use it but are we expert at it? Or at least how long will it be until we can say we're expert at it, do you think? Well, I think Instagram has helped to increase marketing's creativity. It entered the space as a mobile first, aesthetically minded platform, which is very different to anything that existed at the time. And really encouraged those who are posting there to focus on content that is aesthetically pleasing, as well as engaging on an emotional or intellectual level and really pushed content creators to consider those principles. And those are things that marketers still trade on to this day. But I think that consumers would probably say there's a long way for marketers to go because they're as savvy, if not more so, than the brands that they interact with. The consumers are as savvy as the marketers, you say, or more savvy than the marketers. Is that what you're saying? I think in lots of cases, consumers can be savvier than the brands. And I think this is something that we've seen in um, the results of a recent Instagram poll that we ran on CIM's Instagram profile. 76% of our followers said that they don't think marketers have mastered social media yet. And I think Molly has some more information on those results that she can share with us. Yeah, so the main thing that came out of those polls were that audiences felt that we were focusing that brands were focusing too much on vanity metrics so not really diving deeper beyond impressions and likes to look at so once they've seen your post great what are they doing are they going to your website are they buying your products are they signing up for your newsletter what are they what are they doing on your site so um yeah 85 percent of our audience said that they felt brands were focusing too much on vanity metrics and i think that social media managers kind of tend to fall into that trap when um, they're not being asked for that information. People in their company just don't don't tend to be interested in that, so they don't feel the need to be providing it. Um, but I think they really should be. If if you're a social media manager and you're not being asked, it's a really great opportunity to showcase your hard work, show your manager, your organisation, how much value you're adding by giving them these reports. And so if your KPIs aren't that are being set by by management or whoever, if they're not based on 
things that you want to be tracking, say they're, they're currently based on things like impressions and likes and um, top level things like that, you can really then look at those and change them and think, right, so beyond that, how many people are we sending to our website? What are the conversion rates? You know what is a conversion rate for you and for your brand. So you need to be setting your KPIs to align with that and also making sure that your KPIs for social media really align with your organisational goals. If your organisational goal is to increase sales of 10% this winter on keyboards, for example, then you want to make sure that your social media KPIs are really tightly aligned with that. So how? just really think about how are you going to reach that organisational goals and what KPIs can you set? Do you want to increase your traffic by 10% because you know that that's going to, 2% of those are then going to convert once? It's quite easy to get drawn in by trends and things that you see other companies doing on social media, but it's really important just to remain true to your strategy. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it, Ali, that there is sometimes pressure in the wrong direction on social media strategy. There seems to me, and I think it's pretty well documented, there remains an obsession in marketing departments and marketing agencies with impressions, you know, with running up the score and not enough with impact. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. From our Instagram polls, three key trends that emerged were not enough strategy, too little audience insight, and a misunderstanding of key metrics. I think the thing that's most concerning in that mix is that brands place too much emphasis on the platforms that they're posting on rather than the followers that they have there. We had a couple of comments as well about brands still using hard sales tactics on platforms as opposed to really focusing on community and engagement. And that's really where we need to be putting our focus because that ultimately is the goal of social media. I think because of this misconception around metrics and focusing too much on the wrong areas, it's one of the reasons why I think there is a belief that still prevails that you can't sell on Instagram, when actually you really can. And I think it's worth saying that Instagram does e-commerce better than most um, social media platforms and has been really quick to adopt new features to make those sales as seamless as possible. But I think to Molly's point, it's about understanding exactly what engagement looks like for your audience and how you in turn that engagement into hard conversions. Instagram might not be where your customers purchase, but it's your shop window in the same way that your website is. But also it's a really important opportunity to give your brand personality. And when you have a sense of what that is, what your brand personality, your brand DNA is, and what engagement looks like for your organization, that's when the focus on the key metrics really comes in because you know exactly what can drive that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the thing about social media, obviously, it was designed, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, to be instant, instantaneous, to be easy to execute. And because it's so easy to execute, it seems to me that it makes it much more difficult to get right. There's no barrier to entry. You know, we see a lot of bad social media. There's an awful lot of bad, ineffective social media out there. There's some great stuff as well, but probably the bad stuff outweighs still the good stuff. You know, Molly, I'm going to ask you to put your thinking cap on and imagine a counterfactual, an alternative history, if you like, where social media had never happened. So technology has progressed in the same way, to the same scale, and the same rate as it has, but we didn't go down social media. It didn't emerge. We did something different. Do you think, as a marketer, the industry would be in a better state now or a worse state? I think... I think no, social media has been brilliant for marketers, especially because it is a platform that the platforms can be so targeted. I think it's been it's been great. And I don't necessarily think that we wouldn't be in a better place without it. Um, if you're looking at how much 
time people spend on social media now from absolutely every demographic from all over the world it's fantastic it's such a brilliant tool a, a such a brilliant platform for marketers to be using to really reach their their audiences um, especially over lockdown for small businesses shining a light on them where they really would have missed out before small businesses where it is very community minded and people weren't able to go into their shops social media really provided that although these small businesses might have their website that people can go to to make an order social media really adds the community element to it and to your earlier point social media it is hard but the platforms make it really easy for us to test things out and try new things and we can tell very easily through the analytics and stats so we can just give things a go and that makes it our job a lot easier it does but i mean who's doing all this is it just marketers you know i'm i'm quite old i'm quite advanced in my career purely as a function of my age um, and I can still remember a time, which will sound extraordinary to our younger millennial audience, where you weren't even allowed to use a mobile phone in the office. And I'm a journalist, as bizarre as that sounds, you weren't, never mind use social media, you know, using Twitter or, or whatever was something one did in one's social life, if one did it at all, which sounds absolutely bizarre now, but still to my mind, still to my mind, there is a bit of siloing going on. You know, um, uh, some of the, uh, uh, some if not all of the uh, responsibility for social media in some businesses lies at the door of marketers and nobody else. Whereas in some more progressive businesses, it lies at the door of everyone. Although, of course, there are guidelines of what you can and you cannot say. I mean, Ali, do you think that's a challenge that we've got to overcome? That if we're going to make be really powerful in the way we use social media, we've got to make it more all-encompassing. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think you've hit on a really important point there. I don't even think that this issue of siloing just exists at a business level. I think social media is siloed within marketing itself. And actually, you were talking about widespread social media adoption and the opportunities and the opportunities for brands. That limitation on the insight that you can get from social media, we've talked about it being an absolute goldmine. The fact that maybe that information about your customers, your leads, your prospects is not going as far as it could within businesses is really worrying. It certainly is. Why do you think that is, uh, Molly? I think that often in some companies, social media can be a bit of an afterthought. And, and in some companies, they just aren't tracking, tracking things in the first place. And so for every single post that goes out on social media that has a URL in it, it needs to be tracked. Um, you need to be putting tracking on all your links so that you can tell in Google Analytics or whatever platform you're using how much return on investment each platform is, is giving you. Social media takes a lot of time and often a dedicated person, if, if companies are lucky. Um, to work on that and get these posts out so you really need to see what what's the impact of that is it converting are you driving traffic from that and if you're not tracking your your url links you're not going to know that and you're not going to be able to prove uh, return on investment to your company and share the insights that you get from that to the wider marketing department is that a, a symptom of it being seen as a sort of shooting from the hip technique social media you know it's it, it, it's kind of supposed to be or was supposed to be sort of impetuous and instinctive and reactive um you know how much of this stuff do you actually need to plan for it to work properly are you better to just react to things and and and, and as i say shoot from the hip or you know is, is there some background planning that you need to be doing every day regardless of whether you're doing planned marketing or reactive marketing 
Yeah, absolutely. Especially with paid social media, when you're putting budget behind these things, you really need to plan this out. So after every paid social media campaign, you should have a really detailed analysis of what worked there, what went wrong. Was there, what was the journey like when they got to your website? Were they dropping off after the landing page or did they actually go on to look at your range of products? Things like that you really need to know. And so then when you go on to start up your next paid social media campaign, you can look back at that and you can say right we don't want to send them to this landing page because they didn't like the content that they saw there and you get really useful insights about your audience that are absolutely key in optimizing and, and going forward and that can often save brands a lot of money if you're optimizing this especially now when that is a, a really big issue for brands in this really difficult time and so I'd say yeah absolutely planning is really key especially with paid social media but then again even with organic social media you need to be planning ahead so if you are rushing to get posts out at the last minute it's not going to be strategic it's not going to be consistent and that's not a good experience for your customers and it's not a good experience it's not it's not the way you want to put yourself across on social media you're trying to be authentic and responsive but you're also trying to be responsible Ali I mean you're asking people to mix instinct with control, I mean, it's a little bit difficult to ride those two horses at once, isn't it? I think that's a huge challenge. And I actually think the examples that we hold up in marketing of what great social media look like really perpetuate that challenge that marketers face. We often laud brands who we perceive as being really good at social media as those who are reactive and ahead of trends. And whilst there's value in doing that for all the reasons we've spoken about, we've seen, particularly during the coronavirus pandemic, more of a focus on brands taking time with their responses or controversies, and they'll prioritise meaningful engagement over just a flash in the pan. I think this is a challenge that marketers face on platforms beyond social media. You don't want to bandwagon jump. You don't want to risk one tweet derailing your overall strategy. Don't get me wrong, reactive tactics can really yield results, but they often do so only, and as Molly said, if you're clear in the why of what you're doing and what results you would expect to get from that activity, because otherwise you risk not meeting customer expectations of where your brand should and shouldn't be. And it really is a balancing act for marketers to strike. You need to be in the places where your customers expect you to be and get involved in the conversations that really matter to them. But equally, if you're doing too much broadcasting and not enough listening, you're going to risk alienating your followers and not building up that community that, as Molly mentioned, is so important. That community of like-minded people, and that's the aim of social media, ultimately. But how do you avoid it? How do you avoid the pitfalls of being responsive and reactive? The risk is you just end up looking chaotic. I think it's just a case of having a solid social media strategy that's really aligned with your marketing and organizational goals and strategy. So if something does pop up on Twitter this afternoon, you think, wow, that'd be great. I'm going to do that. Just think, why are you doing that? If it's some, often with Twitter, it's things that are funny. So it, it can be quite tempting to jump on it and try and get a bit of humor out there. But just think, are your, are your audience there to be entertained or do they want to be informed? Do they want to be educated? So if they're not following you to be entertained then maybe just leave the humor to the comedians oh come on come on come on there's got to be a place for comedians sometimes even with serious organizations yeah there definitely is i think humor plays a really important part in humanizing brands actually but it can so easily go wrong and we've all seen brands that have been pulled up on it afterwards so i think yeah just just really think it's through if that's something that you're going to do you cannot tell somebody's tone over a text or a tweet or a social media post you just don't know how that's going to come across to the audience so um yeah i think it's just important to think it through if that's the approach that you're going to go with i suppose it goes back to that point we made earlier which is that it's easy social media is easy but it's hard 
And the fact that it's easy and quick sometimes gives you a shortcut that perhaps you ought not be taking. And that must be tempting, isn't it, Molly, for people who have that facility at work to use social media for their job, just to see it as a shortcut. And even if that's not really the best route to do what they want to do. Yeah, it's actually really easy for social media managers to manipulate that data to make things look like they're going brilliantly. So if your KPIs are set on impressions, all the social media manager needs to do is throw out a load more tweets, up the quantity, and you're going to reach those goals. You definitely will. But is that doing your brand any good? Probably not, actually. So you, that's why it's important to have these these other metrics and KPIs in place that you can tell what is the real impact be, beyond the, the impressions. You want to know that that's actually working. And, and if you are throwing out more to get these impressions to reach those goals, you're going to really annoy your audience there. And so those if they're constantly seeing posts from you, that's not ideal. You want to be you want to be strategic about this and really think through your content and, and get the engagements that you're hoping to see that are going to lead to good return on investment. I mean, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've just sat here and I've Googled CIM underscore exchange, which pretty much everybody listening to this podcast will know is CIM's Twitter handle. And CIM exchange has 47,300 followers, which is, you know, that's, that's a good number. That's a big number. And you talk about knowing your followers, you talk about interacting and engaging with them. Do you know the 47,300 people that follow you? Certainly not, no, but there are some brilliant tools in place where you can track your audience and really find out a scary amount of detail about them way beyond where they live and their gender and their age. You can find out their salaries in some places and, and really crazy amounts of details. But I think it's it's important not to make too many assumptions based on that. So going beyond that, I've, I've personally have found that the absolute best way to find out insights from your audience is just to ask them, ask your audience, what do you, what content do you want to see from us? Have you already purchased our product or are you just thinking about purchasing our product? Those insights are going to be so key in what you put out on social media. If you know that 90% of your audience are people that have not yet purchased your product, but they're really thinking about it, then you can think about the types of content. You can think, okay, right, will a discount help? Will a giveaway help? What Will it be more informative content? Do they need to be educated more on the product first? You can really think about how your content plays into pushing them down the funnel to convert. And then for the 10% that have already purchased your product, you can really use those to help convert that 90% that are left and just really use that to help guide your content. Okay, that's a fascinating insight, Molly, into CIM's strategy. But I still think with lots of organisations, there's too much of a focus on running up the score, making 40,000, 100,000 or making 100,000, 200,000. Whereas actually what they need to be doing is building a meaningful relationship with their followers rather than just expanding their reach. And Ali, that presumably means you're just going to get thinner and thinner and thinner connections rather than more meaningful ones. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And certainly if we were trying to meet the needs of all 47,000 of our Twitter followers in every single tweet that we put out, that's just an approach that is not sustainable and is not going to work. And actually, we probably end up alienating people en masse. But I'm going to steal an insight from Molly here because she mentioned this to me the other day. The importance of identifying super fans in your followers, because as you said, we can't know all of those followers and what they want to see from us. But actually, by identifying those people in your following who have a real influence within the community that you're operating in or facilitating, who are actively engaged with your content and invested in your brand, they can give you the key insights 
that should be representative of your audience as a whole, as long as you have a robust process in place to identify them, of course. But once you have them and you've identified and utilised these people, they are an untapped resource of knowing exactly what your customers want to see from your brand, which is an approach that then you can replicate across your platforms. Until they leave the platform, and I'm not talking about CIM exchange here, I'm talking about the, the shift of the sands generally in social media. You know, things have moved very quickly over the last 10 years in terms of people's priority for which platform they use and how they use it. And the point I'm trying to make here is that for social media managers to hold on to these trends, to be ahead of these trends, it strikes me as extremely difficult. How on earth, Molly, do you do it? That is really difficult. And it's a case of keeping up with it on a day to day basis. I follow certain social media accounts and they are the ones that are always first out with the insights from Instagram, from Facebook, from LinkedIn to know what the changes to their product offerings going to be um, to help inform marketers like ourselves what's happening. So as well as following CIL on social media, there are a couple of accounts that I would definitely recommend checking out. So the head of Instagram, he's on Instagram funnily enough and he shares weekly updates on things that are happening on social media and Instagram specifically he's got a really interesting new series called hidden gems which is functionalities features in Instagram that people just aren't using maybe as much as they should or could and he brings those to light and teaches people how to use them in a really effective way so that's really interesting to hear those insights from from the insider knowledge from him Another account is BKH on Instagram, and he does a weekly IGTV video of all the latest social media insights that are so up to date. I hear it from him before I hear it from any other news outlet. So he is definitely one to check out. And then another one that's more for kind of um, insights and content ideas and inspiration. And um, Phoebe Park, who is the social media manager for Grazia magazine, is on social media too, and she's brilliant to follow and um, but aside from following social media accounts things like podcasts there are podcasts dedicated entirely to social media that I I listen to all the time as a social media manager you, you have a lot of time where you're scrolling through social media and reading comments and things like that I think that's quite a good time to just have a podcast on in the background and really get up to date with the latest insights then so one that I find particularly good is uh, one of our CIM course directors Daniel Rowles has a podcast called Digital Marketing. Um, and it's, it's brilliant. He has all the latest insights. And I find that when I'm listening to these things or when I'm these things come through on my Instagram feed of the insights that I need to be actioning, I just take a screenshot of them or I make a note on my mobile phone so that when I'm working, I can really action those points and I can think through, right, how can this help CIM? How is this going to help us do a better job? How is this going to help us provide better content for our audiences? Really take those learnings and try and implement it into what we're doing. I mean, some great tips there. Uh, check out our previous podcast because we featured Daniel Rouse himself on this very podcast show. You can find that on the CIM website and also on Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. There's some fantastic tips there. And, you know, I think the thing I like about social media and the impact it's had, is, let's concentrate on the positive, is the way it's democratised marketing. You know, marketing used to be something that was inaccessible to small businesses. It no longer is. If you know how to do it, you can learn these tips all businesses, Ali, can get a hold of this thing and really make it a powerful tool in their marketing mix. Absolutely. And as we've discussed, the barrier to entry with social media is just non-existent, which has really opened the gateway for small businesses to enter the playing field. Particularly on Instagram, we've seen brands built, some die maybe, uh, but they've really come in and disrupted the market. And I think 
the challenge comes for small businesses particularly when it then comes to translating the success that they may have had on Instagram or another fledgling platform on other more established platforms. Because as you've said, things move so quickly. You might have built up a fantastic following on Instagram, but if overnight everyone moves to a new platform, that becomes worthless pretty much immediately. And that is the kind of rate of change we see. I think storytelling as a core pillar of marketing is a skill that's needed to build this cross-platform success and not take the risk of being a one-platform wonder and really losing out if that following then moves. To my mind, I think that user-generated content is going to become the majority of the content that we see on social media from brands. I think they've discovered the power of using it during lockdown, being forced to pause ad campaigns and photo shoots, instead really giving consumers control of the content that they want to see utilizing influencers where possible too. Brands can absolutely facilitate that conversation and they do certainly have a place in it between influencers and consumers. But I think we're going to see is brands taking a step back and letting those key spokespeople, those super fans that we discussed earlier, for example, do the talking for them and have those one-on-one conversations with users directly, as opposed to brands taking the hard sell approach that we do still see and trying to really push those purchasing behaviors. So there's Ali's crystal ball right there. What's yours, Molly? More human, less corporate, more storytelling? Yeah, absolutely. I think going forward, humanizing content, humanizing brands on social media is is absolutely key to success. And as Ali said, user-generated content is a brilliant way to do that. That's fantastic. It's been an interesting last 10 years. It's going to be an even more interesting 10 years ahead in social media. Ladies, thank you very much indeed. Molly MacArthur and Ali Lee Boone from CIM. Thank you. And we'll see you again, I hope on a podcast very soon. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at CIM underscore exchange, where we'll keep you updated about the latest episodes. See you next time. CIM Podcasts.